today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Mr. Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, Benjamin. It's a big week this week. Uh, we, we saw Tom and Talia get married this week. That was very cool. They're off honeymooning at the moment. Um, I heard a rumour that the Potters celebrate 20 years of marriage this week. Is that right? Congratulations. Amazing. We've got, we've got two mighty men of faith in the house today. Elder Keith Tunnelly, Ray Andrews. These guys are mighty. You know, you need to get around these guys. They are faithful, man. The Brundles are having another child. Unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. Can you believe it? And... Uh, Hey, uh, I don't know if Ian Pugh's, is Ian Pugh here today? He's not. I just want to just, just tell you a little story about Ian Pugh and our amazing Anthony Park up the back. These guys um, have submitted a film to Tropfest this year and uh, they, just, they just put it, um, uploaded it a, a week or so ago and these guys have been putting in the hard yards uh, to, get their, to, get their, um, to get this film up into this competition and... and and it's been such a blessing from, to see it come out of this community. And uh, you know, both of these guys met here at the church. And, and then you know, Ian's written a script and, is, and uh, Tony, is the, he's the filmmaker. And then we've got um, Josh Benz, who's down in Sydney, who's done the score, the music score for it. And we've got um, actor, I think Luke Brundle is probably one of the main actors in it. We've got, and it's, so it's been a real community event coming together. And these guys have done a great work. So I just, you know, I just want, why don't we just give the guys a bit of a hand because sensational I think Jess and Greg Miller are about to have a baby last Friday that's still in there and uh, they're, they're at home waiting for um, anything to happen so uh, keep them in your prayers well good things happening isn't there and uh, our God is faithful and, uh, and he, he wants us to live a blessed life and a full life and and this is why we're talking about at the moment about being the salt of the earth because he wants us to be salty. He wants us to be flat. We wants us to be the flavor of humanity. And it's pretty exciting, isn't it? When you think about um, all the great things that happen out of um, just either out of this family, let alone worldwide out of the out of believers. And uh, why don't we pray? Father, we just thank you that by you, all of our needs are supplied. Father, we thank you that from you, every good and perfect gift comes our way. We thank you, Father, and we acknowledge these, your mercies are new every morning. And today, Lord, we simply do this. We give you permission to reveal truth to us today. And may my words hit the floor and may the revelation of heaven pierce the hearts of each of us this morning. So we thank you, and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You are the salt of the earth, this is what the Bible says. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father in heaven. So our aim of this series, you know, this series is about being a salty believer. 
And, and our aim is actually, you know, what we call church, you know, churches are known all around the world as salt shakers because it's where the salt gathers. But our aim for this series is actually to get the salt out of the salt shaker. It's actually to, to, for us to, to come together in church and to, to refine each other, to rub up against each other and to, to take off those and to purify the salt that we are. And then, and then at the end of the service, we shake you out. Shake you out to go and be flavor, to go and be a preserver to humanity. So two things, we want to get you out of the salt shaker and two, we want to make sure that you're extra salty before you do. So it's not about working harder. We're all very busy and uh, I don't want you to work harder. I just want wherever you are in life for you to be more salty wherever you are. See, a lot of times we think we need to do more, but it's not about doing more. It's about having a bigger faith. It's about having bigger beliefs. It's about wherever you go, you're you're not just there present. You're present and extra salty when you're present. See, we need a belief that encompasses the God that we sing of. We sing of this mighty God, don't we? We sing our God reigns. You know, we sing, you know, your love ignites like wildfire. We sing these, these songs and, and we need to have a belief. We need our beliefs that match our worship. When we go out, we don't want to be singing. We don't want to be jumping up and down on a Sunday and then going out and not carrying that same, that same faithfulness, that same saltiness on Monday. We need to look at our convictions, our beliefs, our doctrines, our ideals, whatever you call it, whatever it is for you, we need to have a look at them and enlarge them we need to, so, that, so that when we go out, we're not thinking. I don't, if you're salt, you don't think about whether you're salt or not. You just are salt. See, when we go out into the world, we, when talking to people, when we're in people's lives, we decide, am I going to be salty with this person or am I not going to be salty? Salt doesn't ask itself the question what it's going to do to the meat. It just does it. It just releases flavor. It just preserves simply by being present. And God has called us simply to be present, simply to be the salt of the earth. And he's saying when you're there present and when you're salty, life is preserved and flavor comes. So this is what we need. We need a full... God wants us to have a full life and a full life requires full of beliefs, beliefs about God, about humanity, about Christ, about salvation, and about the church. He wants us to be, have bigger beliefs. So this series is, all, is these five pillars of belief, the five beliefs of salty believers. And today we talk about humanity. Today we discuss our beliefs about people. A month or so ago, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and with a couple of the guys from the church. And uh, people have asked me since then, they say, what did you like most about climbing the mountain? And this is my response to that question. My response is, I like that it was hard. I love that it was hard. I don't, you know, if, if I go and lie on the beach in Tahiti, no one really cares, do they? They're jealous, but they don't really care, do they? But when you do something that's hard, and when you, get, you know, when you get to stand on the top of a mountain, when you stand on the highest point of Africa and look out, you know, it's, it's an achievement, and, it's, and, and I love that it was hard. But if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth talking about. And I think, you know, when we, when we look at... Um, I want to just open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. This is a pretty tough couple of verses. 
between uh, Jesus and Peter. Matt, Matt, Matt chapter 16, verse 21 to 23. says this it says Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying far be it from you Lord far be this thing from you Lord this shall, this shall not happen to you and then Jesus turned to Peter and said this. He said, get behind me, Satan. Harsh words. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough words from Jesus. I read that and I go, seriously, Lord, he's looking after you here. He's trying to protect you. It is an interesting, like just before that, the verses before that is when Jesus, I mean, when Peter out of all of the disciples was the one who figured out who, G, who Jesus was. So one minute he's got this revelation from heaven about the identity of Jesus. And the next minute Jesus is calling him Satan. It's pretty tough. See, Peter made the cross about Jesus and not about the reward of the cross. See, when we see someone making a sacrifice, we want to protect them from the pain of that sacrifice. And Jesus said, you know, the reason that he said, you know, you're not thinking with, with the ways of God, you're thinking with the ways of man, is some of the things that he's called us to do require us to do things that are going to be slightly painful. But it's the hard things. It's the hard things of life. It's the things that we, that we step out in Jesus' name by his strength for his glory so that people can be saved. These are the things that bring glory to him. And sometimes in our over-insured, over-cotton-wooled nanny state Australia or whatever it is you want to call that we live in, we can end up um, trying to protect ourselves from any form of pain. But God says when you've got a heart for humanity, when your belief is for humanity and, and, and greater things, then you will step into areas that people don't step into. You know, one of the greatest evangelic, evangelistic moments of history is when the plague was going through Rome and people were leaving Rome, left, right and centre, to get away from this plague. And do you know who stayed? The Christians stayed. The Christians stayed and tended to these people and they saw a lot of miracles happen and they also saw a lot of Christians die in this moment. But they stayed because they had a heart for humanity, an eternal heart for humanity. We see it in, in the world today with, with the um, Sierra, Sierra Leone going through this Ebola virus and it's creeping out everywhere. You know, we see these Christians going in. I mean, many people are going there, but there's lots of Christians who step into this place because they see a humanity that God is calling them to touch and to get into, and, and, and there is something attached to it. And people go, don't go. You could get it. And they go, I feel the calling of the Lord to this place is bigger than the pain that I'm going to walk through. And, some, and like Jesus, I'm sure, hopefully they don't say this to their friends and family who say, don't go. They, he says, get behind me, Satan. And what he's saying, he's saying, get behind me thinking that is, self, that is about me and not about the Lord's will. You know what I think Jesus was, he was saying? It's time for us to be humble. Here's a great definition of humility. 
Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less about yourself. Or thinking about yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's not diminishing you and putting people higher than you. It's actually just not thinking about yourself so much of the time. This is, and when we think of ourselves less, then we get to see what God is doing in humanity and we can be his hands and his feet. You see, everything that we do for others hinges upon our thoughts towards humanity. Everything that we do for others, whether you, you know, if you've just got to pick up our Beyond Sunday fly to see some of the amazing things that people from this church are doing. It's, it's, it's just a great read. It's great to see, you know, whether it's, um, whether it's here in Noosa with the, the activities like Street Reach and the Hub and all those things, and then, or whether it's Beyond, whether it's Bali or the Solomons or whether it's Africa or whatever it is, there's so, whether it's Teen Missions or, or, or um, Christian Vision International, you know, whatever it is, so many great things are happening out of this place because people aren't thinking of themselves so much, they're thinking about what God is doing. The higher value we place on humanity, the greater desire will be, our desire will be to serve them. Here's the difference. You know, we see a lot of great people who aren't saved doing great things for humanity. Because these guys have a high opinion of humanity. But God has called us with a higher call. See, we can preserve as salt. We can preserve lifestyle or we can preserve eternal life. See, we all want to preserve it. You know, if you are going well, then chances are I'm going to go well. I'm going to have a better lifestyle. If my neighbor is healthy, then I am going to be healthy. It's going to preserve my lifestyle. But I've got a, I've got a bigger goal. I've got a higher calling. If I can preserve my neighbor's eternal life, then I can see generations blessed, not just my lifestyle blessed. Here's the thing, probably since the beginning of time, around 110 billion people, I think, have been born. Around 110 billion, I think. That's around that somewhere. Um, we, we lost, there was a few censuses gone missing for the first few thousand years. And uh, here's the thing, though. 110 billion people made in God's likeness. 110 billion people made in God's likeness, each with a uniqueness, each with a, a part of God's image that is theirs to deliver to humanity, different from each other and different from every part of creation. 110 billion people, this is how big our God is, all created in his image, all created different. This is how big the image of God is. This is why we look at humanity different to everyone else. We look at humanity because we see God's image in them. And even though humanity has fallen out of relationship with God and his image in us gets tattered, we believe that it is totally redeemable. We have a belief that is bigger than our lifestyle. We have a belief that is about the image of God in every person being redeemable. We have a, and the relationship with God being redeemable so that not only can our, our life on earth be restored, but our relationship with God can be restored and we can go and live in eternity with him. We're fully aware of our brokenness, fully aware of humanity's brokenness. 
yet fully believe in his ability to redeem. What happens in life is we get caught in aspects of the call of God. You know, we, we, look at, we can look at um, the fact that lives are just souls that need to be saved. Just, we just need you to get to say the sinner's prayer and then you're sweet and then we can move on to the next person. You know, it's just a soul to be saved. It's just, it's all, you know, the world's going to burn. We don't need to worry about that. You're just a soul to be saved. It's not about life on earth. It's about just getting into eternity. And then there's, then there's the thought that we're bodies to be cared for. You know, we just want to see the miraculous. We want to see God heal someone. We want to see people, we want to see people healthy. We want to, you know, we want to see... Um, see lives strong. We want to see people living, living to their completeness in the natural. Comfortable. We want to see people living comfortable lives. And then there's the other thing, which is the social needs of society. You know, some people feel the call simply to community. This con- the concepts that our social needs, our loneliness, our, our challenges in relationship, our call is towards, towards the, the things of a community nature, of a social nature. Here's the challenge. We're all of those things. We're spirit, soul, and body. We're not just a soul to be saved. We're not just a, we're not just a, a body to be healthy. We're not just a, a social being that needs to be in relationship. We're all of those things. And when we look at, our, at humanity, our call is bigger than one of those things. We may have a gift in one area, but our call is in all of these areas. You know, we're eternal. We are relational, and we are functional, and our beliefs of humanity, they need to serve all these things. It's no good me just feeding you and getting you healthy and strong if you don't know Jesus Christ as your saviour. And it's no good me introducing you to to Jesus as your saviour and then not being in relationship with you after that point. I heard a great uh, poem recently and it went a bit like this. I was hungry. And you formed a humanities group to discuss my hunger. I was imprisoned, and you crept off quietly to your chapel and prayed for my release. I was naked, and in your mind you debated the morality of my appearance. I was sick, and you knelt and thanked God for your health. I was homeless, and you preached to me of the spiritual shelter of the love of God. I was lonely, and you left me alone to pray for me. You seem so holy, so close to God, but I'm still very hungry and lonely and cold. See, God has called us to do great things in his name. You know, and he's called us, he's called us to be people who serve and he's also called us to be people who get into the lives spiritually. He wants us to serve humanity and also be spiritually mature. He wants us to be people, he wants us to be salt. He wants us to serve humanity. He wants us to, to preserve life and he also wants us to be spiritually mature. He wants us to flavor life with God's ways. See, Christians have done so much, haven't they? We've preached the gospel. We've started hospitals. We've gone into to, uh, war-stricken countries and done amazing things. We've, we've, we've been there. We've done that. We've done all these things. Not all Christians, but a lot of Christians have done these things. Large numbers. And do you know why? Because 110 billion people from Adam, all created in the image of God. But all have fallen from grace. Here's the good one. All 
through one decision can be restored. All created in God's image. Every person ever born and ever to be born will be created in God's image. The image may be slightly tattered. It may be, they may be out of relationship with God. Every person may have fallen because of sin. Yet here we are through Christ, one decision away from being fully restored in relationship with him and fully eternal with him. Can you believe it? 1 Corinthians 2 says this, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, when we look at a life, we don't look at a mouth to be fed only. We see a heart that God wants to do great things in. We can't even imagine what God wants to do in the people's lives that we're, that we're communicating to. We can't imagine what God, what God sees when he looks into these lives. The Corinthians goes on and says this, For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You see, outside of God, all we can protect, all that we can preserve all that we can flavour is a lifestyle. Only in God can we see eternal life tapped into. Only in God can we see his image drawn out. See, every one of us has been called to serve and to witness. I call it spiritual maturity and serving humanity. Spiritual maturity... Is, is what we do as salt. It's, it's preservation. Salt is a great preserver. We pres- not only do we, do we flavor life, but we preserve eternal life. We, we, we rub ourselves into the flesh of this world until it receives eternal life. The world cannot ignore, we've said this, you put two grains of salt into a glass of water and you cannot ignore the salt in that water. It's present. God has called you to be present and to be salty. And Jesus is both these things. Revelation 1.5 says this, it declares that Jesus is the faithful witness, the first to be raised and restored. He's called us to be like Jesus, to be a faithful witness to the ways of God. See, spiritual maturity, it's not measured by how high you jump during praise. It's measured by how straight you walk in obedience on Monday, on Tuesday and on Wednesday. He's called us to be a witness, to be a faithful witness like Jesus. Mark 10, 45 says this, Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. See, to serve humanity is to participate in something bigger than yourself. Here's the thing, we're all different and we all have gifts. And predominantly, you're going to spend the majority of time in those gifts. But whatever our specialty is, it doesn't mean we can ignore the emergencies of life. You know, I love the parable of, of um, the Good Samaritan. And uh, you've got the priest and the Levite who had very clear job descriptions. They knew what their gifts were. They knew what their talents were. So when they walked past this poor guy that had been robbed and left on the side of the road, he was outside of their gifting. Kids' church is outside of my gifting. You know, I'm not into helps. I'm into the prophetic. I'm not into, you know, I'm not into, um, I'm not into the prophetic. I'm a teacher. You know, God has called us 
He's called us to say whatever the same spirit that leads someone into prophecy also leads someone into teaching that leads someone into helps is one and the same spirit. So whatever our gift is, whether you're a Levite, whether you're, whether you're a priest, whether you're a business person, whatever it is, we cannot ignore the emergencies that are in front of us. See, the Levite and the priest ignored an emergency because he was outside of their gifting and they had their good clothes on that day and they didn't want to get them messed up. He's saying, you are called to every moment. So if you're someone who's got a heart to serve humanity, he's also challenging you today that you need to be a witness of his eternal goodness at the same time. See, when you're feeding someone today, you know, if you're feeding someone who needs food today, you also not only need to give them physical food, you need to give them spiritual food. So Jesus is challenging us this. He challenges us with the Good Samaritan. He says, even though your gift is your main strength and that you'll probably spend most of your time there, whatever is in front of you, the Spirit is in you to perform What is the need that is in front of you in this moment? He's not calling you to live there. You know, he may want you to speak prophetic word into someone's life. He may not be calling you to be a prophet. He's calling you to speak life. He's calling you to look and say, the image of God is in you. You may be someone who's prophetic and you you may be be walking along and see someone in need. He's not calling you to, to a life of social justice. He's calling you to give some food to that person right now. What is in front of you? You know, I look at the way that we talk about um, this uh, Ebola um, virus at the moment. And, you know, we're talking about quarantining airports and bits and pieces. And we say they have, the, they have Ebola in West Africa and we need to protect ourselves from it. And I think what the Lord's challenging me with at the moment is there is no us and them. You know, it's we, humanity is walking through this challenge right now. You understand the need to quarantine, understand the need to to keep things from spreading, but it's not, thank goodness, we don't have it. It's not, it's we do have it. Our brothers and sisters have this thing right now. We all have this thing. Humanity carries this burden right now. It's not about, it's not about, um, let's protect ourselves. No, it's let's, Let's quarantine, let's, let's make sure this thing doesn't spread, but not so that we don't get it, but so humanity can be protected. You know, I honour every person who steps into that place and says, I will go and serve. I honour the military from all over the world that is stepping into that space and saying, we will go. We will go and we will protect and we will, we will do what we need to do to, to bless humanity right now. Because they are we. And we are they. You know, he's, called, he's called us the people. You know, he's, called, he's created humanity. He didn't create them and us. He created all people. See, it comes back to a greater belief of humanity. Even though humanity has fallen out of relationship with God and his image is tattered within us, we are totally redeemable. Even though we see absolute brokenness, we can see absolute restoration. Even though we see people who have absolutely rejected God, we can see them absolutely accept God. 
This is the God we serve. And he wants us, you know, for us to be saltier believers. When we go out, we need to have a bigger belief. We have to have an enlarged belief of humanity. So when we look at the challenges of life, when we look at the brokenness of life, we don't simply see the brokenness. We've got, we've got supernatural vision and we see the goodness of God. We don't see someone who's committed a crime. We see someone who's created in the image of God and needs to be restored to a place of salvation. What has God called you to? He's called you to be spiritually mature. He's called you to have bigger beliefs. Why? So that when you step out and when you serve humanity, you're super salty. And the salt of your life cannot be ignored. It cannot, you, you are flavoring the people's lives that you're in so much that they cannot ignore it. And you preserve their life. When you're around people's lives, they feel preserved. They feel something different. This is who God, we don't want to narrow our beliefs about people to our strengths. We want to increase our beliefs about people so that they include God's strengths. We don't just want more information. We were praying this morning, I felt, we don't want more information. We want more revelation. We don't want more natural solutions. We want more supernatural solutions. We don't just want to sing songs about God. We want to be worshippers of God. We want to, we want to, we want to enlarge ourselves so that we are not limited by our own minds. He wants us to be people who step out in his name, not in our strength. You know, if you look at the areas of the world, we've called, he's called us to be salting. There's so many. If there's, you know, areas where, um, where, where the enemy can get in, where unbelief can get in. You know, we, we've got our government where, where that... Um, we are called to be salty to our local members. We're called to be salty to our federal members. We're called to, be, we're called to participate in, in that system so that, so that the goodness of God can be released there, so that the flavour of heaven can flavour the policies in Australia. You know, in our schools, you know, we've got, we've got the concept of, of a school being discussed at the moment and, and truth and lies being taught to our children is our responsibility right now. We need to own this challenge. We need to own the challenge that this generation growing up receives truth and receives the wholeness and the teaching of heaven so that they are not only protected from the lies of the enemy, but it's not about, it's not a, you know, it's not about saving them from lies. It's about helping them live in the liberty of truth. It's about kids who grow up and say, we can do anything. This is, the, this is the attitude that we want our children to grow up into. You know, we want to see a media where information is interpreted on a good slant. I want to flick the news on and hear about great things. Hey, but it's going to require you to become a, a news person, one of you. You know, we want to see God move. We want, to, we want the church to be full of people who worship in spirit and in truth, not walking through a religious event. We don't want religious event. We don't want information and singing songs. We do. We want revelation. We want worship. And we want God to move. This is, this is the God we serve, and it requires us to be salty. It requires us not only to jump up and down on a Sunday as we praise God, but also to go out and to be obedient on Monday. See, your worship on Sunday is a reflection of your obedience on Monday. Why doesn't the band jump up? We want families to be salty. 
You know, family, you know, the, the Bible talks about um, blessings and curses. It talks about um, the things that pass down through the generations. You know, we want faithful families who have accepted Christ, you know, who has broken the curse. We don't want curse. We don't want families to, to inherit a negative lifestyle. We want them to inherit blessing. We want them to inherit favor and confidence. We want to be people who have, who have families that are preserving life and not only the lifestyle of their family, but the preservation of the children's children's lives you are the salt of the earth Isaiah 58 says this if you it says 58 9 and 10 if you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. See, God has called us to be present and to be present salty. He's called us to be preservers of life, but he needs us to have a larger belief, a fuller belief of, of humanity. When Jesus said to Peter, he says, when he said, get behind me, Satan, he was saying, you need to shift, you need to shift your thinking from self-preservation to the humanity's preservation. It's not about lifestyle, it's about eternal life. And he says, if you focus these, if you focus on the kingdom of God, if you focus on eternal life, then all of these things I will give you. Hey, seek first my kingdom, seek first eternal life, and all these things I will add unto you. He's saying, don't put your beliefs in your preservation. Put your beliefs in what I'm trying to preserve. I'm trying to, I'm trying to preserve something greater. Don't be offended by what Jesus said, the way Jesus spoke to Peter. Be challenged by the way he spoke to him and say, Lord, I want to align my beliefs with you. I don't want to believe about more insurance and more cotton wool and more, and more control. I want to believe about more faith. I want to have, have beliefs that, that, Lord, show me your goodness in this person. Lord, show me your image in this person so that I can speak to it, so that I can draw it out. What is this need in front of me? What is the physical need and what is the spiritual need in front of me? Why don't you stand with me, church? We've been using this old Latin rite out of the original mass where they used to speak out of mass in church and it was it mist est. Ita mist est. And it simply meant go. It simply meant go out into the world. You know, it says we gather. We gather for equipping so that we can go. So right now, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out to be salty. I'm sending you out with a greater belief of humanity. I'm sending you out into, into your life so that you can be a preserver of life in your family, in your business, in your, in your school, in wherever you are, wherever you go, you're called to be salt and to be salty salt. And don't decide whether you should be salty or not today. Just remind yourself of who you are each day and just be that all day. We talked about salt last week having two elements, sodium, chloride. Sodium and chlorine make up salt, two elements. And he says, the Bible says this about our salvation. It says, what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, this is where salvation is found. 
if we believe that Jesus is Lord and we confess that God raised him from the dead, you know, we will be saved. So here's the thing about being salty. What are we believing and what are we confessing? What do you believe about humanity? Last week we talked about having a bigger belief of God. This week we're talking about having a larger belief of humanity and people. And the thing that, the thing that establishes those beliefs is what is in your heart and what are you confessing with your mouth? So I challenge you today, you know, that we believe that every person ever born is made in God's likeness, his image. And there is a uniqueness, not only from each other, but from all humanity. This is what we need to believe in our heart. We need to confess and we need to speak out the value of his image and that he is well and able to restore you. Whatever challenge you see in front of you, he is able to see restoration there. So our faith doesn't come out of what we've experienced. Our faith comes out of the identity of God. But we, sometimes we need to speak it out. We need to confess it first. We need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and to challenge our beliefs. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to go and be confessing the goodness of God in people's lives. I want you to be challenging you to, to go out and to speak life into someone's life this week. And establish those beliefs. Say, Lord, give me a bigger belief than my own experience. One of the challenges with our beliefs is that our experience can dominate our beliefs. And God's saying, don't let your experience dominate your beliefs. Let my nature and my word dominate your beliefs. Father, we just lift up your name. We ask that, that you would enlarge our hearts this day. And that as we go, Lord, that we would go salty. Lord, we ask that... that that we wouldn't see this just as a word picture, but it would be real in our lives. We thank you for the call to be witnesses, Father. We thank you for the call to serve humanity, Lord. We thank you that you've called us to be preservers of life and flavorers of life, Lord. And we take those things today, Lord, and we ask that you would impart to us a new wisdom and a new authority to go, Lord. And Lord, we lay down, Lord, that spirit of fear that tries to knock on our door and we accept afresh this morning that spirit of love, that spirit of power, Lord, that spirit of heavenly logic, Lord, where we can speak and see beyond the natural. So we lift up your name and we glorify it this morning. You know, we're going to worship church and uh, we sing a while. We're going to sing wildfire. And uh, you know, God wants you to be people who engage him. And it's in your engagement of him that establishes his rule in your life. You know, we worship because worship establishes his dominion. And when he is in charge of your life, then that's the authority that you go out in. God wants you to go in his authority. So when we worship today, when we sing this song, let's engage our hearts and say, Lord, Lord, you are my saviour. I believe in my heart that, that, you raise, that you raise Jesus from the dead, Lord. I'm going to go in your name and by your strength and for your glory. Let's worship, church.